You're listening to Once, episode 24, Heart of Darkness. Welcome to Once Podcast, the podcast about once upon a time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Jenny. And I'm Dan Flynn. And we are so happy to have you joining us. You can check us out on the website over at oncepodcast.com. And we've got lots of links and following ways and feedback ways and all of that <laughs> stuff. It's all over on one site over at oncepodcast.com. Also the forums too. The show notes for this episode will be at oncepodcast.com slash 24 and you can check out any of the screenshots and links that we mentioned then in that. So we're going to talk about this awesome, awesome episode, Heart of Darkness. We had our initial reactions uh, in episode 23, which is over at oncepodcast.com slash 23. Totally awesome episode. And I love how a Midnight Dreary put it is they are killing us with awesomeness <laughs> with this episode. Indeed. And just watching it the second time and third time and fourth time. Whoa, it, really? <laughs> it, it is just awesome. I get chills at the same spots over and over. What did you guys think rewatching this again? I hated it this time. <laughs> just kidding. Still great. <laughs> Jenny, what did you think? I thought it was cool that Rumpelstiltskin in both Fairytale Land and Storybrook was sought out to help. Like he, he was sought out for help to bring Regina down, like in both mm. places. Mm. And I really enjoyed Snow White's like her bow in her hair. <laughs> it was it was definitely true to the Disney version. <laughs> Even though she didn't wear it for long. Dan, what did you think? I still love the fact that everything was just so coherent through the whole episode and it kept mm -hmm. you at the same pace, the same pole. And I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, the second time through. Yeah, totally awesome episode. And really, I think setting us up now six episodes away from the finale, really setting us up for an awesome finale. And the finale title was just released, but we're not going to mention that here because it's slightly <laughs> spoilerish. But you can go over to oncepodcast.com slash forums and start theorizing about what that finale will be like. And if you want to see that title, we did post it in the blog at oncepodcast.com. Yes, just earlier. So it's fresh meat over there for you. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> we're, let's go through this timeline-wise. Fairytale Land first. Well, in the title scene, we see Jiminy Cricket is in there. And at first, it would make us think that Pinocchio. But no, it's not Pinocchio. Hmm. It is. I don't think I even thought of that for some reason. Well, that's what I thought first time I saw it. Is oh. I thought, oh, we're, it's Jiminy Cricket. We're going to see Pinocchio's story. Like I said before, Pinocchio is strangely absent. Or is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm saving my comment about Pinocchio for Storybrooke. <laughs> So it starts out with James and Red together picking up from previous episode. And total awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> Red controls her power. Sort of. And kills some soldiers, which one person, I think it was Brian, emailed in saying that he kind of had a problem with that. He felt like they were breaking story or fairy tale rules by the good people did some killing. Oh. I always thought, like, these are based on the grim fairy tales and... There's a lot more bloodshed 
in the grim fairy tales oh, yeah. or or heartache uh than even even um once upon a time has been mm-hmm. able to portray so far so the grim fairy tales are much darker and i'm i'm trying to think i think for sure that good people did kill yeah um yeah the enemy so for that i don't have a problem with it yeah, um maybe not as um brutally as you imagine a wolf attack being but yeah even i think even in the disney versions sometimes bad guys get killed it's part of war well good people killing is what he was saying well that's what i meant and this is as uh, adam and ed pointed out at haley fest they were asked the question of whose take on the fairy tales are you following disney's take or the traditional take and they said they're following their take exactly certainly inspired by different things but they're doing their take so it's up to uh, Kitsis and they can Horowitz. They kill anybody they want to. Yeah. <laughs> but by kill the way, the sheriff. if you say that Red has control over powers by meaning that she can throw her robe off and just go uh, uncontro- yeah, uncontrollable rage by the moon, moonlight and stuff, <laughs> then yeah, she can control her powers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's true. Because she did look up and she saw that it was a full moon. So that just, what well, that was for our benefit. <laughs> she probably knew that, but that was for our benefit to know that that's why she could do this is because it was a full moon and creepy i'm giving you a head start (laughs) (laughs) at the dwarf's cabin snow is there humming a little song and it is actually the song from the uh, she's humming the song from the original disney version of snow white and the seven doors and the name of the song is with a smile and a song, and I'll play just a little bit of that for you. <laughs> well. <laughs> With a smile and a song. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Her voice is so shrill. <laughs> Wait, who is that supposed to be? That was the original Snow White disney version have you oh. never seen the original snow white yeah, yeah they basically got like shirley five. temple and shook her <laughs> hey i like <laughs> shirley temple i don't know who did the voice but that's what it sounds like to wow. me wow that was pretty uh a pretty common style of singing and pretty typical voice for the era but one of my favorite spots in this episode is there when she starts sm- trying to smash that blue finch yeah. that's there in the house oh do you have the the sound clip of her humming it no, but oh, yeah, that was so nice. It's just we like it. so yeah. pleasant yeah, for just a just second, pleasant. which something was up. I'm like, well, what is she doing? Because it didn't really seem right. But I, I hate how she put the bird there too, and she was trying to like get it to stay by her singing, so that she could squash it. It scared me for just a second, like they were going to become a musical, and yet it was so <laughs> pleasant. It almost mm-hmm. worked, almost. Mm. Which now, is funny. Oh, I was going to say the very first time we see Mary Margaret. In Storybrooke, in earlier episodes, she has a blue bird that she's letting out to the window. Yep. And she did the same thing also in the pilot in Fairy Tale. Well, yeah, that it happened twice in the pilot. Mm. In both um, It's a nice places. little flashback tie in mm-hmm. there. And I looked, because we know how this episode goes, we know that the jewelry box that Catherine's heart was found in was Mary Margaret's Allegedly. jewelry box. Yeah. <laughs> And I've looked <laughs> through this scene where we see Mary Margaret in the cabin. Just curious, does she happen to have her jewelry box? I didn't think she would, but I thought just by chance, maybe she would. It wasn't there in the cabin. And in fact, I looked uh, through other scenes of other episodes, kind of skipped through, and I tried to find if there were 
uh, was a jewelry box anywhere, and I just couldn't find it. So I'm not sure if we've seen that before in fairy tale land or in Storybrooke, but that's a separate issue of where that jewelry box came from. Hmm. And the dwarves are all mad at even happy yeah i love i love what happy said you broke my mug you're lucky it wasn't that mug you call a face you are the worst most nasty horrible enough look what you're doing to happy (laughs) oh that was funny such a good scene and jiminy cricket shows up too and that's like they have this this council meeting. Intervention. Well, now here's something that came up in the forums and conversations uh, that we were thinking about, too, is Jiminy Cricket previously has only made chirping sounds. Mm-hmm. And even when they were at that, the council, the kingdom, the palace council, whatever, around the table in the pilot episode, Jiminy Cricket had this megaphone kind of thing that oh. he had to talk through. Did you notice the one on his... Yes, Yes. the one on his chest right there. Yeah, that's some people started theorizing at first, maybe that was the button that Pinocchio gives him that says he's a genuine conscience. I thought it was a button the first time through. Not Pinocchio, but that he got. The Blue Fairy gave it to him the movie. But uh, Mm -hmm. looking at different screenshots and from different angles, and we'll have these in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 24, you can see that's this little tube that goes up to his mouth and Mm -hmm. down into this little amplifier. So that's... That's how he's being heard. I didn't even notice. So if I maybe talk how into it, can I talk cricket? <laughs> mm, yes. Maybe that's also how he's being translated too. So it's mm. a nice little way that I think they're getting around the issue of our wondering, wait, how is the cricket talking cricket? I mean, how is it talking English now? <laughs> yeah, especially, since, yeah, they did it in the pilot and maybe it was too cumbersome to continue with yeah. subtitles all the time. But and the cricket, by the way, very well animated, I thought. The, yeah, I the, was impressed. Yeah, the, the motions, they're really good for TV show budget. Way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and did you notice also when the dwarves were giving their little speeches, Sneezy gave his thing and said why he was upset. And he started to sneeze. And uh, I think it was bashful. I can't remember now which dwarf it was. Put his finger up to Sneezy's nose, mm-hmm. just like they did a lot in the Disney mm-hmm. version, where they all put their yeah. finger to his nose. <laughs> Does and that then, actually work, by the way? I remember up there. trying it as a kid. Let us know if you need to sneeze. <laughs> I will not put my finger up to any of your noses. <laughs> That's just nasty. <laughs> then Snow White is so upset and she makes this funny statement about that kind of sums up our modern understanding of the (laughs) irony of snow white and the seven dwarves the problem is that i'm living here in a house full of dwarves instead of in my palace with my father as a princess but i can't do that anymore can i because he was murdered murdered by the same woman who sent a huntsman to kill me ouch the huntsman may he rest in peace she's got (laughs) issues so this whole episode focuses on like the title says heart of darkness because jiminy cricket then even says to her oh wait revenge is not the answer no it's gonna change you it'll it'll turn you into something darker than you can imagine you don't want to go there no 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 (laughs) 
<laughs> which, by the way, did you notice the glass? It's not like a, you know, image for image, but um, exactly the same. But it looks a lot like the same glass that's used to cover the rose, the enchanted rose in Beauty and the Beast cartoons. Yeah. And they're also in the mantle. Jenny pointed out they're on the mantle in um, Mary Margaret's house. Um, it's not the same one, but yeah, some similar looking jars in the background in the kitchen. So we see a lot of experimenting or exploration rather of the heart and turning to darkness, possibly mm-hmm. turning to darkness in this. And this episode focuses on that a lot. And I think also the themes of faith in a sense of having faith in something or believing something, believing something, even when it's not unbelievable, when it's unbelievable, like mm-hmm. Emma believing that snow or that Mary Margaret was innocent and uh, David believing that he could bring back snow with true love's kiss. James. Yeah. James. <laughs> <laughs> the reoccurring line in this was evil isn't born. It's made. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Both in fairy tale land and storybook that yep. was said. Which makes me think, too, are we going to see an early, like an early, early flashback, Regina, when she first becomes that evil? Because yeah. if she claims that it's made, then we know that there was a certain time that there was a turning point. Um, maybe what, you know, mm-hmm. Snow actually took what she loved most away from her. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting claim for her to make. I think we are going to see that, hopefully this season. I'm, I really think we would see that this season. Do you think that's what Regina was referring back to when, when uh, she was talking to Mary Margaret in Storybrooke? Of referring back to... Like games? her beginning of being eagle. Eep, eagle. That's what eagle. I got from it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And we'll cover that more in a moment uh, when we talk about Storybrooke. But you notice that we talked about which acts snow picked up and i looked so closely at every scene where we saw that axe which was just two the one scene where she picks it up and the one scene where she's threatening the guy with it and the axe has no writing on it no name on it so i don't think it is any particular dwarf's axe it's probably her (laughs) axe and it doesn't have her name because she's not a dwarf unless the name disappeared when she picked it up why does she have an axe though (laughs) she's picked it up she went after the queen. I know, but where did she get it? Maybe maybe she also works in the mines. It or, did look a little bit broken, so maybe it's one of their backups. But she, I don't think we saw it from every angle. It could have been one of theirs. She didn't exactly have that caring feeling that moment. By the way, you know the guy that she ends up beating up to get information of where, Regina, uh, where the queen is? Um, I love his line later because the whole axe thing, uh, David asks her... Uh, asks him about um james james ah. <laughs> james asks the guy that got beat up about uh where snow went and he says she's crazy she had a pickaxe <laughs> <laughs> and, you know jeremy you how much you were convinced that regina would make a good salesperson with the honey crisp apples yes <laughs> well Do you have that meet for snow oh. the salesperson of the axe <laughs> this is an axe from the dwarf mines it's a special blade it can, believe it or not, actually cut a diamond. Imagine what it can do to human flesh. Soft, pliable, tender. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, not doing quite the same. 
I want to buy one. She didn't make me want to buy an X. <laughs> no, she just made me want to run away and cry. <laughs> I want to see someone take the X and cut down the Honeycrisp apple tree. <laughs> In this scene and a couple other times, we hear reference to the Summer Palace. And Snow had said that that Summer Palace was built for her mother. Thwack. Which palace do you think this is? Do you think we've seen this palace yet? I think so. I think it's the one when her... When they were around the casket, isn't it? You think that or no, so the one that was turned into Evil Queen's palace? Yeah, maybe. Now I'm not sure. Speaking of the pickaxe that she was holding and the guy saying she was crazy, she had a pickaxe. He said she was threatening to skin me. And then I love the transition to Storybrooke at that moment when when oh, Regina yeah. was skinning the apple. <laughs> That's why I you loved laughed. that. I didn't catch the transition. <laughs> oh, I liked that. Which goes into me thinking, I know I'm jumping to Storybook real quick. The idea of her eating the apple, was she preparing it to eat for herself? Because we have never seen someone bite into Actually, the apple. Actually, we have. We have? We've seen, uh, yeah, a couple people bite who? into apples before. Well, I can't remember at the moment. But in Storybook? Yes. Oh, oh, I remember it was the genie. The genie did once, didn't he? Or we maybe couldn't not. quite tell. But Well, my theory squashed. <laughs> like an apple. <laughs> Turn into applesauce. <laughs> we... We So we hear about the Summer Palace. I think we haven't seen that yet because Snow was so adamant about that's what it was made for her mother. I think we're going to see that Summer Palace when we get some kind of backstory that we see what happened to Snow White's mother. Because um, I think that is an important point in Snow's story because King Leopold said that uh, he, he lost her mother and she died and there, there was this major loss, and somehow the queen came into the scene. So I think that might all be one future story that we're going to see, and that, that will take place at this summer palace, whatever it is. Because this, this sounds like it's something different. And in fact, if the queen is on her way to the summer palace, that means she's coming from somewhere where she normally is, and that would be the spaceship palace. <laughs> spaceship palace. I thought it was really sad when Snow Snow realized that the Summer Palace was built for her mother and that's where the evil queen is going. I thought that was really sad because mm. like it was special and now the evil queen is tainting it with her evilness. Then, evil queens tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> then we go over to Rumpelstiltskin's castle because Grumpy told Snow about Rumpelstiltskin. He's the most powerful man in the world. He can do anything. So, funny thought about that. Yeah. It's probable that there's a bigger thing going on between Regina and Rumpelstiltskin. But suddenly I thought, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the most powerful of them mm, all? Yeah. Good point. And just mm. after Grumpy said, said that, he can do anything... Later, they're at his castle, at Rumpelstiltskin's castle, and Rumpelstiltskin himself is talking about love and the potions. No potion can bring back true love. Love is the most powerful magic of all. The only magic I haven't been able to bottle. If you can bottle love, you can do anything. Why? Love conquers all <laughs> love can break any curse <laughs> so he's saying if you can bottle love you can do anything now 
Do you remember Heather's uh, email that she had sent? Yeah. Do in? you do you have that up? Um, it's a little bit long. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Let's see. She says, "I have a theory about the bottle of love that Rumple collected by combining Snow and Charming's hair." And Rumpel didn't say that it was a love potion. A love potion, potion suggests to me that if it is given to someone, it makes them fall in love. And I don't think that is what the bottle of love does. And Rumpel says, no potion can bring back true love. Love is the most powerful magic of all. The only magic I haven't been able to bottle. If you can bottle love, you can do anything. Rumpel specifically says that no potion can bring back true love. So I don't think that this is a love potion. I think instead that the bottle of love is an ingredient for the dark curse. Rumpel seems to have a bunch of shelves labeled with different ingredients, and my thoughts was that the bottle of love was the last ingredient he needed to make the curse, and that may then explain why Emma, Snow, and Charming, uh, Emma, Snow and Charming's daughter is the one who would bring back the curse, or break the curse, because it was her parents' love that was used in the making of the curse, and that would also explain how Rumpel knew that it was their daughter that would break the curse because he created the curse and he used snow and charming's love. Thanks for the podcast. The best once podcast out there, Heather. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Heather. And great theory too, that I, I, we said this before, and this has been going on in the chat in the forums of discussing that maybe this is an ingredient he needs to make the dark curse. And I think that's why they're emphasizing how he has all of these potions and there's this one left now he has it Mm -hmm. but i love how she's tied that together of how this brings emma into this a really cool thing i picked up on this too and i read heather's um email i'm like this okay this is really cool because it also explains why in order to enact the curse you have to sacrifice what you love most and the Mm -hmm. idea of of prince charming and snow's love being so powerful and the main ingredient that ties all the other, the whole curse together, that to enact upon it, um, you have to sacrifice that. So I think mm-hmm. that really ties into the fact that this could very well be used to create the curse and not necessarily that this these are just certain powers that he's used to carry over into Storybrooke um, when Regina uh, reigns. Hmm. And we also got a voicemail in from Mia, who is one of our international listeners, and she has a theory on why Rumpelstiltskin needed bottled love. Hi, Mia here. First, I wanted to thank you for the amazing podcast. It always makes me laugh so much. Also, I want to thank you for the forum. It's such great fun. Now, I have a theory about Rumpel's bottled love. I think, considering what Rumpel said, that whatever he wants needs great power. He's called the most powerful man in the world by Grumpy. So he needs power that he doesn't have yet. I've got no clue what he truly wants. I believe that he needs more bottled love than the one he has now. I think he needed the dark curse enacted so that a bigger happy ending could come into effect by the time that the curse is broken. And he will find some way to bother the love that is there in that moment so that he can use that power for his actual goal. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of weird, but I think it would be cool if he didn't only need 
the bottled love or the dark curse, but for some bigger purpose. And it could also explain why he did that deal with Cinderella, getting the product, so to speak, of her true love, her firstborn, something she truly loved, would also have great power. Have a happy evening. See you in the forums and keep up the great work. Great theory. And <laughs> placing this on the timeline, this event that we're seeing with Rumpelstiltskin making this bottled love does happen before the Cinderella story. Speaking of the timeline, I uh, remember, Dan, you mentioned the knight that was standing up, the knight statue that was standing up in Rumpel's castle, and you thought it was Frederick, right? Right. Frederick, but it it's not actually. But I thought that was hmm. Frederick too, and I, I was like, oh, this happened before Frederick. Actually, it oh. reminded me because it was, remember, Rumpel is the beast. And in the movie Beauty and the Beast, there oh, were all yeah. of those metal statues that turned their head yeah. as Belle was walking <laughs> through the uh, hallway. I think that was just a little nod to that wow. because... I need to watch mm. these movies again. <laughs> what was with the bear? I don't know. I joked That's... around and said like, oh, good. Um, oh, what's her name? Porridge. <laughs> what did i say you know what i'm red, saying uh, red riding hood or goldilocks uh, thank goldilocks. you i just oh, they... messed up my pun yeah that was like oh goldilocks got payback or something <laughs> <laughs> um the... now, going going back to the potions the uh there are a bunch of icons under each of the potions and we can't quite tell what they are like conclusively there are some that look like crowns some that look like moons but we don't really know what these mean. Nope. Just we can see kind of what they are, like clouds and a rain or maybe a snake. Something also, that's obviously that look like fruit. Something that's obviously a death symbol. So we'll have this in the show notes uh, over at oncepodcast.com slash 23. And we'd love for you to take a look at this and let us know if you can make some associations here with the different symbols. By the way, going to the voicemail that we just had and talking about the potions, um, I was going to mention that I, I thought that was really neat how she tied in the fact that that's why Rumpelstiltskin wanted uh, Cinderella's first child, because we always, we, we story writing and TV shows do a great job of giving you all the facts up front and then later on making you forget about them and then making you feel like a fool because it makes so much sense mm -hmm. or something because you <laughs> forgot a certain key element in the beginning. Good shows do anyway. Yes. And this is a good show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I love how um, it, it finally gives a purpose as to why he would want the firstborn. Uh, the idea of, like, you know, grabbing something else that someone loves so much and trying to, I don't know, like, bottle that up or something, but mm. somehow take the love that people have within them and um, concentrate that power for the curse That's or for theory. something. So, yeah, she had a great theory. How are potions involved in the making of a curse, by the way? Well, we don't really know what goes into making a curse, but... The curse seemed to be on paper, unless it was just... Yeah, it, basically a recipe, I think, is what's on paper. Yeah, hmm. that's how it was in the original Snow White. It was like when she was making the yeah. the apple and, cursed. And in, in a lot of Poison mythology apple. and magic tales and such, there's a book of spells or something like that, where you can look up certain spells and curses and... And incantations and, and all of this. The, recipe. the mummy yeah. comes but to then, mind. The queen. Remember how they opened the book and they were reading all the. <laughs> yeah. 
The queen gets the curse, but we can pretty safely assume she doesn't get the love potion. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, maybe all of this stuff was mixed. In- oh. Well. Hmm. I'm just starting to think maybe potions and curses are separate, but that could be wrong. Oh, well, I see what you're a, saying. Yeah, that's a good. Because she just had a slip of paper saying what the curse would, how to create the curse, but she didn't have the ingredients that Rumpelstiltskin has spent years. The developing. only thing we saw her put in was the heart. It could Both be. Hearts. And the hairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hair. It could oh, be yeah. that yeah. it's like hair. the curse is created, but then the paper tells how to enact it. So you can create it, but then you have to enact it. Think of it Maybe. this way. Like, call upon the curse. Yeah. F, or or think of it there. like this way. It's <laughs> it's like a box of some of a cake mix that you put all of the ingredients <laughs> into it, but you still have to follow the directions in I order call to make the cake. Incantations. <laughs> cake, oh I command you to bake. Oh boy. <laughs> that would be scary. Chocolate cake with purple frosting. That's what a cursed cake would look like. <laughs> Any other any other thoughts? We've got a great theory or a lot of great theories going on in the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums about why does Rumpelstiltskin need the love potion? And you can join over there and discuss some of these great theories or share your own too. But Rumpelstiltskin also had this arrow that he gave to Snow White to kill the queen. And he said something interesting about the arrow. An arrow fired from this bow will get you exactly what you need. <clears throat> he said, will get you what you need. I didn't even get that wording. That's awesome. He didn't say it would kill the queen, but it would get her what he needs. What are you hitting he also at? Says, what did the arrow... I was going to say, he also says it always finds its target. The arrow does. Right. Its which target, means, I guess. I think he... <laughs> knew and planned for what happened to happen at first the first time i watched it through i'm like oh, she missed good thing she missed blah 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 you know that stuff but second time i realized wait a minute rumpelstiltskin had that planned and he knew it would hit prince charming instead oh is that what you were saying yeah so mm-hmm. he's awesome. telling her you'll get what you need and what she needs is actually prince charming <laughs> so we thought his price was go kill the queen for me but it was actually Go have the future you're supposed to have. Yes. You know how, like, the ends justify the means? Rumpelstiltskin does a lot of good <laughs> for evil. I just, it, he does so much good good things that you think, oh, he could be good, he could be good, but there's still that evil side of him, which I don't know if all this is ultimately going to lead to evil, or if he does have some more good than uh, we originally expect. He said, both in Fairy Tale Land and in Storybrook to Snow slash Mary Margaret, I'm invested in your future. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he was doing this thing is that the point of investing is to get some kind of return. So he's invested in some way in their future so that he's going to reap some kind of benefit later on. I think it's actually what he's, what he is looking to get back is like kind of ousting Regina in in a big Mm -hmm. way. And maybe the fact that he didn't have her, well, he, he gave her the arrow and he helped her because he knew that she wouldn't kill her then it was all going to happen, like Storybrooke come out and everything, and he would have a huge way to oust her, maybe. But we haven't seen that yet, so maybe it'll happen. I'm trying to think what truly 
evil thing we have seen Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold do? He killed a fairy. Well, okay, I'll give you that one. We've talked <laughs> and, about this before. And he killed Gaston. Perhaps. Yeah, he most he likely. Janus okay. Benson, the writer, said that he did. Okay, all right, never mind. Well, then. he transformed Gaston into a rose. Because you, th- you would think taking <laughs> Cinderella's firstborn is evil, but you could find out later that he actually had some kind of good intentions for that. So I was trying to figure out, but I mean, I guess just killing people on a whim is pretty evil. So. <laughs> and he turned those those nice people into puppets. Oh, he that's did? right. Forget well, about that. Although that was intended for Pinocchio's parents. I know, but Rumpel knew. But he probably was... knew. Yeah, he probably knew what was going to happen. Rumpel, and he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rachel sent in an interesting question about the arrow. She said, hey guys, during the latest episode when Snow White went to Rumpelstiltskin's to get help to kill the queen... I had a theory that the bow and arrow he gave her was Robin Hood's. I think that because of an interview, Jennifer Morrison, who plays Emma, was in. She said Robin Hood will be an episode. Your thoughts? That That's sort of what I thought, because you think bow and arrow and the only fairy tale I know that I can and think of is, is Robin Hood. Robin Hood was an excellent archer. Like, he mm-hmm. never missed. Does that mean that? His arrow was enchanted and he was just like a nobody and it could be or like a, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I just yeah, just basically what I said, you know, that he was just part of the castle, like the peasants type of thing, and someone maybe Rumpelstiltzen, who we think might play the role of Merlin later on, or something like that, um and or some you know, wizard or whatever gave him the bow. Or what if Rumpelstiltzkin took the bow from Robin Hood? Just like he took the wand from the fairy. Yeah, an Godmother. element of power from someone who was very powerful and knew how to use it. Huh. Maybe, Steal from the rich and give to the needy. Maybe <laughs> maybe Robin Hood made a wish to a fairy, a wish to restore uh, Nottingham or whatever back to being like good. Because you remember how they had that king. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maybe he got his bow enchanted by a fairy. Hmm. And maybe the huntsman really does have a name. <laughs> By the way. And it's Robin Hood. It was, didn't it look like a gold arrow? Yeah. Yeah. It was a golden so arrow. So do you think King Midas was the one who it originally belonged to? No. Remember, Rumpelstiltskin also makes gold. I he thought made it was that silver. Point. I thought it was silver. There's gold. It's silver tipped arrow brings down the werewolf you're gold silver colorblind maybe so but rumpelstiltskin <laughs> makes gold and makes things out of gold that's true i forgot he has yeah. a surplus of gold <laughs> or, yeah yeah i make gold yeah that's what he said in one episode <laughs> so a uh, great idea rachel that could be something tying into robin hood which we'll probably see at some point i'm sure we will i don't know if it'll be this season or next season i would guess probably next season because i wouldn't expect them to introduce new major characters into this season might not be a major character yeah true or i mean even secondary like hansel and gretel yeah i wouldn't expect them to do another thing like that by the way if they picked out actors for new characters in the future it'd be nice to go back to that scene where um regina walked through on her horse and looked at the different peasants because one, she spent particular attention to and glared down at them. And it was like two girls, a mother, and what looked to be a father who could resemble a wizard. I was thinking the exact same uh, thing. I thought, he looks kind of wizard-like. 
Mm-hmm. And she, it almost looked like maybe she gave him some kind of nod. Or she was just thinking, I am the queen. For yeah. some reason, I'm not in my coach, but on horseback so that I might be struck <laughs> by an arrow. And yeah. I look down on you because by of this. By the way, who would not notice a girl in a black hood <laughs> running through the forest on the side of the the road where the queen was and screaming at her and, true love <laughs> <laughs> pointing an arrow at the queen like who would not notice that her guards should i know but it's interesting because she should fire said, them he th- you know did his little wrist flick thing and out popped a map and said this is where you fire the arrow and you will not be seen like he i don't know he might have put a little enchantment on it so that it was concealed or something but he already told her where to fire it well he didn't say this is where you won't be seen he said you'll be you'll be shooting from sight out of sight out of sight Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. i heard the line wrong then yeah and she was actually kind of far back because when you look at when she accidentally hit james he was between her and the target so she was back into the woods quite a bit like accidentally with quotes (laughs) yeah i think rumpelstiltskin intended that for him and there's a great forum over at oncepodcast.com slash forums and we'll have the link in the show notes for this episode about discussing why Rumpelstiltskin said he's invested in Snow's future and as well as Mary Margaret's future. And there are some great theories there. We'll have a link to it in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 24. Let's back up just a little bit to that scene where James then comes to Rumpelstiltskin's castle and he doesn't get turned into a rose. <laughs> I know, right? Fortunately. <laughs> but he, However, there's the pile of dead roses or dried roses in the middle of that. I thought they I, were nice live roses. I thought yeah, they, they, were, were, they were fresh alive. roses. <laughs> they were dried. In a vase, not so much a pile. Even like that, uh, was it TV.com or something pointed out the fact that they were dried roses? Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, oh, I, I thought they were red and yeah, they're vibrant. Red <laughs> on the table where James puts his cloak. So they were definitely roses. But they weren't up to quality for me then. <laughs> so if anyone gives Dan a rose, make sure it's even better than that. No wilts. <laughs> but again, James says, and by this time, I think we know all magic can be broken with true love. All magic can be broken. Oh, yes. With true love. <laughs> so that's it then. True love's kiss will awaken her. Most certainly. But it's going to be hard to kiss her. When she's shooting you with an arrow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Did you plan that? You prepare that line in the mirror. <laughs> that would mean I was preparing it to Evil Queen. Put on all that Rumpelstiltskin makeup. I was wondering. <laughs> no, this is my natural skin. Uh oh. His eyes were really blue when he was talking to Grumpy and Snow, but they weren't that color when he was talking to James. Yeah, I've got an interesting screenshot of Rumpelstiltskin with his eyes. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. (laughs) So again, we get it now that magic can be broken with true love. Why did he smell his cloak so creepy like? (laughs) I was wondering the same thing. (laughs) It was so odd. (laughs) But then there's this this hint uh, just before he gives over the cloak of, again, if snow succeeds that her heart will turn to darkness because if she kills the queen she becomes as evil as the woman whose life she thinks she could never become that evil 
Evil isn't born, dearie. It's made. If snow starts down that road, you'll never get a bath. Which is true from Rolf and Stoltzkin, Eagle, Evil isn't born, it's made. From uh, him taking upon the dark, dark mm-hmm. one's curse. And I think a hint at what we're going to see about the evil queen herself, that she wasn't born evil, something made her evil. Maybe she was a peasant. That's why she glared at the little girls going by. I wonder if the last dark one dealt in potions as much as Rumpel Mm. is. I don't know. Could be. Somehow I got the impression from the previous dark one that he mostly just sat around creepily and... Mm -hmm. Sent wavy magic through the air at people. <laughs> wavy. And then tried to get someone to kill him. He was very much a pawn. I guess there might be more that we don't know about him. Yeah, I think a lot more. And maybe we'll get to see more in the future. I don't know. And by the way, speaking of that scene, Rumpelstiltskin never really seems afraid of swords at all. Is he just that confident or can he not die? <laughs> Like, seriously, can he not be killed unless it's with his own dagger? I loved his little... I think so. Oh, whenever, whenever James put the sword up, up to him the first time. And again, he smacks another sword away. Yeah, and he actually walks right into it. Yeah. Like, do it. Someone in our chat room before the show had started had said something. I think it was Midnight Dreary because she's saying right now, smack it, Rumpel, smack it. But she said something. What is it with Rumpel Stiltskin and swords? He seems to just slap them all away. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's almost insulted by them because, like you were saying, Jenny, that maybe he can't be killed. And I wasn't saying that. Oh, ever. And that <laughs> maybe he's just like insulted it. <laughs> you think a sword's going to hurt me kind of thing? He thinks mm. they're sort very of funny. like Macbeth That's and he can only be killed by someone of woman born and he's getting all cocky of all the people that come by. I don't know who that mm. is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is all once right. upon a time. <laughs> Well, everyone's a woman after. born. <laughs> and all I've done is laugh for about the last five minutes. So what's next? <laughs> oh, real quick. Um, when Snow comes back to the dwarfs and, you know, she is which back. is Which is later. We'll get to that. <laughs> which is like <laughs> no, five that's minutes later. later. That's, yeah, that's later. <laughs> because an important thing happens before she gets back to the dwarfs. Well, that's true. Is David comes finds her gets shot by the arrow but even before that when he tried to kiss her she she was getting frustrated at him words 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 <laughs> that's all that love is and unfortunately for you words don't mean anything to me you know what does mean something to me taking action and that's exactly what i'm going to go do <laughs> i like how she said that last part <laughs> And it reminded me of, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring up two biblical references here. I'm not going to scr- cram them down your throat, so don't worry. But that reminds me of a famous passage in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And it is a very true thing that love isn't just words. Mm-hmm. It is actions. Uh, a good definition I've heard of love is love isn't what you do for me, it's what I do for you, is what love is. And that's why Snow, the first kiss on Snow didn't work, because she she saw no actual actions. It was just words. It was just lips. <laughs> it, <laughs> it wasn't anything real and true. Well, she didn't love him yet. Yeah. Yeah. But then that was quite a turnaround later when he took the arrow 
And she, she even said, no one's ever uh, been willing to mm-hmm. die for me. And that's what moved her mm-hmm. to suddenly fall in love with him and kiss him. <laughs> yeah. Girls make guys go through such hard lengths in order to get attention. Get used to it. <laughs> you had to almost die for her. Like twice or something, right? <laughs> Girls but, want a hero. What's wrong with that? That I'll also re- later. That also reminds me of the passage from Scripture, John fifteen thirteen, that says, Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. And that is that's brought out too here that that was the action that James needed to do to demonstrate to Snow his love and her to realize that's true love. And that's what Rumpelstiltskin captured in that hair off of James's <laughs> cloak, which was a little bit freaky, freaky. And so we did see again the kiss broke. The magic spell. Yep. True so. love's kiss followed by true love smooch. They <laughs> <laughs> give this awkward little second kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and over and over and over again. Um, one thing I noticed, uh, I was talking to my friends because I tell everyone about once and tell them to watch it. Um, <laughs> one of them said like he was a little nervous about the future episodes because to have such powerful curses be able to be broken by something so simple and common might lead to issues in later on where they'll have to change it around or something in order to prevent oh you know this dark evil comes upon them oh just kiss and everything's good and we can go on to the next plot that type of thing where it, it weakens these the um the strength of the curse and the strength of the things that the evil queen can come on and weakens it so much that it might be a little bit too easy to defeat well that's that's a good point but so far the only thing we've seen the curse breaking or the, the, the kissing and true love breaking are smaller things of magic. The dark curse is the curse to end all curses, mm-hmm. Rumpel called it in episode two. So this is a much more powerful curse. It's going to take something much bigger. And there's a theory going around, and it's a pretty easy theory to connect to, is also uh, referring to this, that love is being willing to die for someone and Emma being called the savior mm. in multiple uh, versions of saviors, especially the biblical, uh, Jesus Christ, the savior, that the savior has had to die in order to mm. be the savior. And so there's a big theory that Emma is going to have to die in order to break something as powerful as the curse, that that will be the true love action that she'll have to take that would be sad but rumple says that she has much more power than than she thinks or that she knows or something like that or mr gold said mm-hmm. that to her i believe yeah. so yeah ah, uh, i don't want him to kill off another character <laughs> okay dan now you can talk about the dwarf's cabin oh so when which i totally thought it was in the beginning i forgot i was skipping ahead i thought i was going to the past snow comes back the dwarfs i mean are all grumpy at that point and sort of like, okay, is this the real snow? Um, but when she talks with them and they realize who she is, you see, Daniel, you pointed out that all the mugs have characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other characters, they just seemed like neat little characters, all different and unique. But one of them did look like Snow White from the original Disney fairy tale because she has a blue shirt and yellow skirt on. 
um, just like the cartoon version that Disney first did. And it's on one of the mugs. I don't know whose mug it was, but... That was... Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It was a one mug in, in the seven forefront. Chance. Just throw a name out there. <laughs> we'll, we'll have screenshots of that in the show notes because each mug has different characters. And I was looking at them thinking, oh, that looks like a particular fairy tale. Like I was thinking the one you were talking about. I thought that one reminded me of, of Beauty and the Beast because I thought I saw a woman in a yellow dress. Right. She had the yellow skirt, not the yellow dress. So, And you did notice... Um, the Pipe Piper in a yeah, previous one. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that one. in Dreamy, Grumpy's gla- mug, which he had again in bar. this episode. No, he had the same mug again. They all had the same oh, mugs here they stole them. as they <laughs> did at the tavern. Maybe it's just their mugs that they carry around. I was really glad to see Snow in her huntress apparel when she got back. Like the dress, just I didn't like it. Or the little bow in her hair. <laughs> it didn't match her mood at the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <laughs> So one more thing before we move on. A lot was said about Snow not being able to love James because she doesn't remember him. Maybe that's a big part of why we've questioned why Mary Margaret and David kissing in Storybrooke and possibly others doesn't do anything to them. They they don't have that true love because they don't truly remember each other. Yeah. And I think that is a great connection. And what is it going to take for them to remember each other? Will it be David's hypnosis? Will that help him remember? Or will something happen with Mary Margaret? Are we going to get to see it in this Everybody season? needs to get hypnotized, I think. <laughs> Everybody. Mass hypnotizing. Hypnotize Jenny, you are them. so quotable. <laughs> Every episode. Hypnotize them, kiss them, and let them run around with wolves. And everyone <laughs> will remember. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and give them a key to open doors. <laughs> wow. So let's move on. We've spent a lot of time on Fairydale land here, and our episode probably will go a bit long. And if our, by the way, I haven't heard from anyone that they don't like our long episodes. If long episodes bother you, please do email me. I want to know what you think episode limits. If they bother one... you, also just turn it off and listen to it later and pretend it's two episodes. <laughs> email feedback at oncepodcast.com if you want to say that. <laughs> So moving on to Storybrooke, then it starts off in the sheriff's office and Emma is taking a picture of Mary Margaret. Flip back to episode one when Sheriff Graham is taking pictures of Emma. Some nice tie over there of two suspected criminals. Because Sheriff Graham died and Emma. (laughs) No! Anyone who takes a picture in the sheriff's office. It's the camera. It's the Polaroid camera. (laughs) It's cursed. Okay, awkward thing. Mary Margaret's wardrobe was kind of odd. Yeah, almost seemed like it was going back to previous well later on it didn't look so bad and there was something wrong with her shirt in that opening scene it it struck me as awkward when it when the show started so maybe that's kind of a production error what was wrong with it i don't know it was like the blouse under her sweater was all some was either tucked in or was somehow tucked up under her shirt it just made her pants look really strange oh (laughs) it it just it just sort of stood out like a sore thumb i was like what is she wearing while we're talking about her clothes i thought she was wearing a different shirt at the beginning of the episode because the collar was like rounded at the beginning and around the end it was a lace collar and it was 
It was not round in Oh, you color. think it was different? I think it was different. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe mm. they just, maybe someone looked at it and went, wow, that looks terrible. Let's <laughs> change her blouse even though it's a continuity error. <laughs> I think she's dressing that way because she's no longer like in love with David. So she doesn't need the plunging necklines. And so she's oh. back to her like comfortable. <laughs> well, hey, that's true. She did go back to her normal. Button collar thing. Like Emma said she would, like she wore at first. <laughs> right off in this episode, Emma starts by saying, I think laying her foundation of she's looking for proof and she goes where evidence leads. While I am your friend, I am also the sheriff and I have to go where the evidence leads. She's constantly looking for proof and August later refers to that also that Emma needs proof. Mm -hmm. She needs to see the evidence to be convinced. And we see her changing that through this. Now, we mentioned that the box is, we learned from this, it's Mary Margaret's jewelry box. I have not found that in any previous episodes. I've looked back at every episode I could think of where we saw Mary Margaret's house. We never got to see that I know of Snow White's room in her palace. But I've looked all around. I couldn't find the box anywhere else uh, to know if they really actually pulled something. And I checked like in in Mary Margaret's kitchen as well as in her bedroom when there was the scene with Mary Margaret sitting on that bed and Emma comes in and mm. they talk and that's when Emma says, Henry thinks you're my mom. That whole scene, <laughs> we get to see enough of her bedroom that I didn't see that jewelry box anywhere there. Hmm, interesting. I have a really crazy, crazy odd question. Yes. <laughs> Do you think Regina has Henry bugged? Ooh. Because, that might be difficult. Because he spends a lot of time with her would he, would she need to? Because Regina has never relied on technology, except for getting the phone records. Which, by the way, phone records ended up being true. David remembers making that phone call. Yeah, that yeah. was confusing to me because they strongly implied that Regina tampered with the records, but mm -hmm. then he remembered. So I don't understand what the deal was with that. I, I never mean, felt like they implied she tampered. They did, though. I mean, the whole Sydney getting them and then Regina printing them out and saying, you'll find them very interesting. Yeah, it, Sydney was just like, get them. No, no, really. You'll have to wait forever. I could get them by the next yeah. day or something. So I don't know if they changed their minds or they were just throwing us off the trail of where the plot was going. It, but I found that a bit odd. So now Dr. Hopper knows what Catherine, like how she felt about leaving david like she knows right. the truth like yeah. he knows yeah dr hopper knows the truth now he's the only one apart from david yeah and and that's why regina burned the letter yeah. she wanted to hide that and not let david know what Catherine actually felt that Catherine was releasing him so now dr hopper knows what regina knows i don't Ooh. even do you think david knows because he was he was under hypnosis knows knows what, what he, he said saying. i don't know that's a good point. well yeah he probably does because he remembered when he went too deep into hypnosis he remembered the dream oh, and he repeated right. it later to mary margaret right. by the way um going also a little back to asking if henry's was bugged or something i honestly think that they did such a good job portraying regina's terrible parenting in the beginning episodes that she's just neglected Henry and doesn't yeah. care. She she wants him, but she doesn't love him. So she's she, using him sometimes. She, sometimes, but it's pretty obvious when she uses him. I think she just 
neglects him and realizes, you know, this she's got a purpose, the curse and maintaining that curse and getting Mary Margaret is her true passion right mm-hmm. now and that she just sort of lets Henry do whatever because she thinks she has him and and Emma's on mm-hmm. the leash. I had an awful epiphany. <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I I hope we don't like one day figure out that Henry is actually helping Regina oh, in a roundabout like in a just like a I don't know. I, I don't want to. Evil 10 year old. Evil This is what troubles your dreams at night. <laughs> In the beginning, when Regina is interacting with Mary Margaret and then later Emma, too, about Mary Margaret, Regina says to Mary Margaret, I know what it's like to lose someone you love, to be publicly humiliated, put me in a very dark place, changed me. This is what I was referring to earlier. So she lost what she loved. We knew that. Put her in a dark place, humiliated her. What is that about? I think that's what Snow did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but what? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I hope they don't keep us in the dark forever. Probably not too much more, I would imagine. Yeah, but- They've already made us think that we were seeing that story twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Once was with the genie. What was the other time? Before that, it was momentary when Snow was mourning her father. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, we thought that maybe her father was the it, she loved well, well, not necessarily that, or, but it seemed that Regina was still good for a moment anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. And then Regina goes outside of that room and she talks to Emma and we hear a little bit more and it sounds so much and we know Regina is talking from personal experience. She is a woman who's had her heart broken and that, that can make you do unspeakable things. Regina's heart, I'm going to say it, has been broken Mm -hmm. and that's why she did unspeakable things and she recognizes that she did unspeakable she, things. She is good at keeping up this act. Like she's yes. It's evil. So <laughs> evil. Yes. Is that the word you're looking for? Yes. Snow said in a previous episode that because of her the queen could never have true love. Mm. Yeah. Huh. So what might that have been? Well, it could be um Maybe Regina really did love Snow's father, but Snow loved his wife more. <laughs> like when she was alive, of course. I don't know. Who was Snow's mother? We have yet to find out. We know that there was a palace. A, cloud. a, summer, a palace. summer palace. Yeah, made yeah. especially for her. But we don't know beyond that. In Mary Margaret's apartment, when Emma is searching around for... Any clues or evidence? I love what Henry says. Nobody's got a motive. My mom does. Regina? She hates Snow White. Hey, you wanted a motive. Well, I don't think she hates Snow White will hold up in a court, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. But later, Mary Margaret was like, why would she do this to me? Mm -hmm. Just totally shocked at the thought that maybe Regina was doing this intentionally against mary margaret she seemed to have like a little foresight or remembrance during that like when she said why 
would she do that? Why is she doing this? I think to she me? was and bewildered. Yeah, she was mm. puzzling, but she she did seem thoughtful. Almost like maybe something was starting to turn in her brain. Mm. So, at what point did the knife get put into the blower? Oh, I hate that into the because blower? <laughs> the heating, vent. yeah, the vent there. Like Regina always does it. You know, maybe okay. She said to her when they're doing the little interrogation thing. Um, Basically, have you looked, or if something happened, if someone took the, the music box, um, jewelry box, whatever it was, wouldn't there be signs and evidence of a break-in? And she hints at it and hints at it and says, you know, you should know it's your apartment. Was there a break-in? So she just, I hate how blind people are. She just sets it up for people to go and look and then, oh, sure enough, we found evidence because you told us to look right there for evidence. <laughs> yeah, I think she planted it when she went to get the jewelry box, like you said. Think so. When August walks into Granny's diner and Henry is there, slumped over the counter, <laughs> drinking <laughs> a hot chocolate, <laughs> or not? Was I, Ruby dressed nicely this yes. episode? Yes, she was. Well, I, I didn't notice her. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Very similar to the way she was dressed and styled at the end of Red Handed, where her hair was straight and pretty. And she didn't have the bright, mm. vibrant makeup on mm-hmm. and the, the whatever else she was wearing. I don't know. Mm. But uh, she looked a lot more natural this time and more grown up and yeah. more mature. She Good to, it. I was just going to say, it leads more to that there was a permanent change mm-hmm. where her character is going to develop a whole lot right. more and yeah. she is going to be Bad Wolf. She, <laughs> she gained confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she sort of found a part of herself that she didn't know was there. Mm-hmm. When August walked in, I almost expected him to look at Henry and say, I'll have what he's having. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he did talk about how he believes the book and immediately orders water. Yeah. Which which somebody over at EW.com, which is Entertainment Weekly, was questioning whether that was significant after his whole diatribe about water and its Mm. properties. I just viewed it as... I'm here to talk to Henry, and that's my purpose, so I'm not staying. So I'm just order water, talk, and then he left. Oh, yeah. Also, Wait. trees drink water. <laughs> okay, I need to say He's something still. about that, too, because he says <laughs> to Henry... Um, well, do you want to just go through this whole clip? Because I've sure, got the entire and then thing. I want to talk oh. first after. <laughs> so let's, just let me know when you want me to pause this, because uh, I've got the whole clip of their conversation. Just edit it down a little bit. You're upset about your teacher, aren't you? She didn't do it. Why can't anyone see that? Because most people just see what's right in front of them. And I don't think you're going to find the answers you want at the bottom of that mug. <laughs> Henry turns to binge cho- hot chocolate junkie. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he's referring to people needing that evidence and that proof. Similar to Emma. Mm-hmm. And where? A book in your bag. You know, I'm a writer, so I'm partial to finding my answers in a literary form. It's just a book. Is it? Yeah. And the music stops. I think we both know that that's not... Speaking of the music, it would be interesting to know what song was just playing. <laughs> Some oh, jazzy thing. The case. Can I get a water, please? What do you know about it? I know it's a book of stories. Aren't all books? Stories 
that really happened. You think my book is real? As real as I am. That part right there, <laughs> I want to believe it's Rumpelstiltskin's son, but that they keep giving these hints, and Pinocchio wanted to be a real boy, <laughs> and him for just him to say that the book is as real as I am. I just felt like it was his character coming out saying, "I am a real boy," you know uh-huh. that type of thing, <laughs> and totally hinting back to Pinocchio. Ah, um, mm. uh, it's like ooh, I think it just nailed. You know the hammer, the na- the hammer nailed the nail right <laughs> on the, the, the head. Thank you. And I was like, that seems like that was the perfect cue that uh, and hint that he's Pinocchio. I I wonder though because that that does make sense, and I like that. But why would Pinocchio be the one that's so convinced that he has to tell or convince Emma? That this is real. I don't know. So let's continue with this. You know. But let's just say that uh, I'm a believer. And I want to help others see the light. That, my friend, is why I'm here. But I already believe. I'm not here for you, buddy. I'm here for Emma. So you want to get her to believe? Why don't you just tell her? Huh? There are some people, like you and me, we can go on faith, but others, like Emma, they need proof. Last time I tried to find proof, I got trapped in the sinkhole. <laughs> there are less dangerous places to look. I wonder if um, he convinced Henry to go get the keys, and that's why um, that was the first major key to opening <laughs> no. Emma's, you know her mind into believing the um the, the curse and he wrote it in the book he found the keys in the book i think That's, he found them in the book so? yeah i think he did i did mm. make a note that when he was given the keys and she said did you steal those keys and he's like yes mm. he was like so quick to admit <laughs> it like he was he might have been covering up a lie i think he figured out i mean i think he found in the book about um regina's keys and i think he went looking for them yeah, it could have been. He opens the book at that moment to the page that shows Prince Charming so gallantly sitting on his horse and then getting off to try to uh, go. Uh, at that point, it was when Prince Charming found the naked guy running through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> naked Poor Prince Charming. Oh. <laughs> and, um, but the text on the opposite page of that picture was one of the stories that august had put in what how do you know this it was again the golden bird story on the opposite side of the page which is odd that the golden bird story would be on the opposite side of the page that has a picture of prince charming well sometimes these books but yeah then again some of the ways (laughs) books were made is that the color pages would be grouped together or would be kind of oddly placed throughout it not necessarily contextually relevant Mm -hmm. but would just be somewhere actually do i think i remember when Henry brought the keys to re- to Emma, I think I remember him saying that he f- he read it about the keys in the book. Mm, I'm pretty sure I, I remember that. I think he just held up the keys, and that's when Emma said, did you steal these from your mom's office? Which, by the way, she just gave away that she knew where they came from. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. she saw oh, those right. in, I can't remember the name of the episode now, but it was when when uh Sydney, first mr glass yeah um, oh yeah it was um <laughs> yeah. north no 
whichever one it was with Sydney <laughs> as the genie. Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Thank mm, you, yes. chat room. Heather Rumpel's in girl. the chat room is saying, agreeing with me that he said he read about it in the book. So hmm. I'm remembering correctly. Well, I had heard someone say that as well, and I couldn't figure out why they thought that. So we must just be missing it when he says it. Well, he says it kind of quick. And he's he's sitting on the stairs holding them up when he says that. Yeah. And those keys, it, it was in Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, Regina, or Emma had found them, and that's when she pulled them up and she said, where do these go? Speaking of the keys, mm-hmm. I think that was an apple on the key to, to um, Mary Margaret's door. It's hard to tell. It, I think it does look an like an apple, but I think it could also be just the backside of the skull. Could be. So we'll, I think a screenshot is in order. Yeah, we'll have <laughs> screenshots of that key in particular and some of the past keys over in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 24. By the way, I mentioned the chat room and we do this live. Our full discussion is live every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time over at noodle.mx slash live. And then you can join us Sundays during the Eastern and Central time airing of the episode over at noodle.mx slash live as we chat there during the episode. And then half an hour after the episode airs, we record our initial reactions. So that's 9.30 p.m. Eastern time over at noodle.mx slash live. Jenny's right. It is an apple. Woohoo! Are you sure? He's looking at well, it. Well, I'm saying it looks like one from that side. Look closely. But I'm saying one side's a skull and one side's an apple. No, Could no. Be. I'm saying no, the, the whole, back of your skull looks like an apple. <laughs> I think the whole thing is the skull, but just when it's looked at the backside, just the shape it's, it's totally not an intentionally apple. It looks the, like an apple. It has the shape, it has the stem, it has the leaf. I don't know. We'll have screenshots. I'll throw it up for the forums and the chat room and the people and our fans can decide. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll do some Photoshop work to see if we can Jenny's opinion discover versus Daniel's. Some <laughs> 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 then so that scene when Emma and Henry are at the door, and I know we're jumping forward a little bit, but that scene gives me chills every time when she turns that key and opens it. I'm with you. I got chills. <laughs> it's like, wow. And the look on her face is just total disbelief that it just worked. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out. I never get chills. I never <laughs> oh. get chills. Like music, <laughs> awesome scenes in movies. I never get chills. I feel like I'm missing out. You are. <laughs> Maybe it's a body hair thing. <laughs> what? And I'm moving on Wait, very quickly. Wait, what are you saying about my girlfriends that have chills? <laughs> oh. Are you saying they're hairy? <laughs> so, Daniel, after she goes to the door, she finds... Um, what does she find? Well, Keep moving on. Nothing, <laughs> nothing inside. <laughs> but at the mayor's office, then, Regina and David are talking. And Regina, again, says a couple things that I think she's really talking about herself. Everyone has a dark side, David. I always believe that evil isn't born. It's made. All due respect, Regina. I don't think you know much about evil. Oh, yes, she does. (laughs) I thought he said, I don't think you know much about anyone. But that line's so much better. (laughs) And even more ironically, she says, Evil doesn't always look evil. Sometimes it's staring right at us. And we don't even realize it. As she's staring at him. (laughs) (laughs) See, that was a chills moment. (laughs) I didn't get chills. Sorry, I'm completely fine. (laughs) 
And then back at the sheriff's office, we learn Mr. Gold is a lawyer. And I, I like that he, in very just quickly, one sentence explained why we see him again and uh, why we haven't seen very much of him in the last several episodes. Because Uh-oh. he said that he was able to convince a judge to let him off after Mr. Gold had nearly beaten a man to death. Mm-hmm. Remember when he beat Bell's father, Mr. French, in, French. Fer- in Storybrooke. And then he, you know, he went to prison. We don't see very much of him for a little while. We see him here and there, just short scenes. But he says that he he convinced the judge to let him off. But does that imply that he was in a prison outside of Storybrooke? I, I don't think so. But just that he, he saw a judge somewhere. Mm-hmm. I guess Storybrooke really is bigger than you think. Yeah. yeah. It's got like ravines and... Stuff. Unless it was an online <laughs> courtroom. <laughs> yeah. Visit www. No. And again, Mr. Gold says to Mary Margaret, I'm invested in your future. Now, he said that to Snow White, and that makes sense, complete sense to say it to Snow White, because Snow White's future was marrying Prince Charming and having Emma, and Emma would be the bringer of happy endings and break the curse. But in Storybrooke, Emma is already there. What future, besides somehow falling in love again, what future does Mary Margaret have? The end of the curse. Maybe she's still a component of breaking the curse. Yeah. Because, so if he said he's invested in her future, there's some other part she has to play in this picture that he's planned for a long time Mm. beyond just Emma. I wouldn't, I, like I said before, I don't think it's so far-fetched to imagine that this show can go on possibly even beyond the existence of Storybrooke. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he even has a deal. I was just thinking invested in her future. Does he maybe have a deal that isn't complete and he stands to actually benefit from something. Someone wanted something for snow or something like that. And he said, I'll make sure that future happens for her. If this, that's kind of an investment in her future. True. Yeah. Good thought. Well, Regina still hates snow white. Um, it would just make sense for Mr. Gold to use Mary Margaret against her. Oh, yeah. Also true. Because maybe for some reason, maybe Snow is the only one who can actually kill Regina. I don't know. Like Emma is the one who can defeat the curse. Snow is the one who can kill Regina. Theory there. Going to Archie Hopper's office as David is in there and goes into hypnosis. He remembers that phone call. I thought that whole scene was pretty lame. (laughs) Hypnosis. And the memory... That was the only part I didn't care for. That memory was ridiculously specific Out to the situation. Out of all the memories. I mean, yeah. I guess if that's what his mind was searching for, possibly. But why did he not notice the robe and the hair? <laughs> because he's confused right now. I suppose and so. The main thing, he said something when he referred to it to Mary Margaret. He said, it's still kind of hazy, but yeah. you said this. Yeah. So, so, and uh, have you seen the movie Inception? 
Yes. Uh, it's it's about dreams, and they make a great line in there that points out something that we all feel like. And you know how crazy our dreams are. I know how crazy but, your dreams are because you tell us. Yeah, over at cleancomedypodcast.com. Exactly. <laughs> nice crossover. Thank you for giving me that uh, opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. But <laughs> dreams don't seem weird to us until the dream is over. So when we're in the dream, the strangest things can be happening. And in our dreams, we're just feeling like it's normal. Maybe the same thing is happening with David, that he doesn't notice that something's not right yet because he's hmm. still kind of in a dreamy sort of stage, not not quite thinking clearly yet. Hmm. Maybe Regina induces these blackouts because she burned the letter. So maybe if she found out that Catherine actually had a chance to talk to David, she tried to erase that memory. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was nice. thinking that too, but I didn't know how to put it in words like that. Good job. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> <laughs> but David remembered things when he went into deep hypnosis. So I wonder if any other characters go into deep hypnosis like with I Archie said, Hopper's help. Everyone just needs to be hypnotized. (laughs) Although the curse has never seemingly fully taken effect on him. So he may be a little different. Mm, That's true. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's bringing out the memories that were kind of already there, that the windmill implanted in some way, implanted artificial memories in him. And Mm -hmm. that scene from uh, 7.15 a.m.? No, something else, I think. (laughs) Then... When Mary Margaret is in jail, she has that very, very emotional speech to to David when he's almost accusing her. When your phone records came back, when I found you wandering in the woods, when everyone thought you killed Catherine, I stood by you. I never once doubted you. And now that everything is pointing to me, you actually think I am capable of that kind of evil. Great acting. Chills. Mm -hmm. From (laughs) Jenny Goodwin there. She did, wow, yeah. The biggest, saddest cry grin I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And in the chat room, they're saying, uh, Heather is saying she loves how Emma, or Mary Margaret says, get out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very, very chilling. I feel bad, though, for David because, I mean, his mind is literally split. It's broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's split. I mean, he's, and it's a terrible circumstance because Mary Margaret's the only one he can go to, really, that he feels that could help uh, mend this and, and understand it. Hmm. <laughs> Midnight <laughs> Jerry in the chat room just said... <laughs> Somebody give that girl a popsicle, please. (laughs) That's great. When Emma then comes to Mary Margaret and she does say the DNA was a match. It's Catherine. It was Catherine's heart. In our initial reactions, I had said, okay, so we know Catherine is definitely dead. And then thinking about it, go ahead, Dan, say it. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say what you want me to say, yeah, you but probably are. I was just going to say, like, we haven't seen uh, Frederick come back onto the scene and we had mm-hmm. that connection that we feel is going to be linked again. And Frederick was, Frederick was searching for her and we don't really even know where he is right now. So I definitely think that they're going to come back. But 
just because we find a person's heart, does that mean they're dead? Do you think yes. Regina tampered with the evidence to get yes. it to show that it was Catherine's? Yes. And where on earth did she get Catherine's teammate if she even got it? So like she could definitely tamper with the results. I could make a report for you guys if you want. And, <laughs> and it would say everything that Regina wants it to say. Uh, well, is it Catherine's heart or is it Abigail's heart? The mm. nag with a good attitude. <laughs> no, it is After what one. happened to Frederick. We've been we over discovered. this. Wait. I am not moving until I see otherwise. I am not moving. And hearts of living people glow. Where are you getting <laughs> that from? Where are you getting Abigail's heart I don't know what's from? happening right now. Well, we don't, we don't know for certain. But it's just another idea that maybe Regina didn't actually have any interaction after Catherine left. But maybe Regina <laughs> did go get Catherine's heart and squeeze it, do something to it. Maybe that's what caused it to stop glowing is she did something to it. And that's mm -hmm. what caused Catherine to crash. Then Regina goes and buries the heart and starts planting the evidence. Mm -mm. You don't think no. so? It's just a heart. She has lots of them. <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> she took it out of her vault. She put it in the ground, put the board over it, stood up, looked at nothing and said, worth it. <laughs> uh -huh. That's just what she would do. I can see why why Mary Margaret would would feel like completely hopeless. Like everybody she was talking to was giving her bad news. Like Emma was saying, we have the evidence to go forward with this with this case against you and Regina was saying, I think you did it. I mean, she wasn't in so many words, but she was basically implying that yes, you're guilty and I think you're guilty and I'm the mayor and my my vote counts. And also, um, David was telling her that dream. So I can see why she would run mm -hmm. away. I mean, that's a cowardly thing to do, but I can see why she would run away. Everybody was against her, seemingly. Even yeah. though Emma did say that she had faith in her and she knows that Regina's doing this, but she also said that the case, the case against her is going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And Obi's girl brings up a really good point. She called in some voicemail feedback. Hello, Daniel and Once Crew. It's Obi's girl. I saw the episode recently, um, The Heart of Darkness. As awesome as it was, I still have some problems with the plot. Before I get to my problem, though, I just <laughs> want to say it was nice to see more of the dwarves and the scene of them sticking by Snow White's side and on a mission to save Prince Charming from King George. <laughs> King George better watch out because Snow White and the Seven Dwarves are about to kick his royal butt. <laughs> I'm like a lot of fans. I'm very disappointed in David for not thinking rationally after remembering parts of his fairy tale life and automatically going to the prison and accusing Mary Margaret. I just want to slap him silly. <laughs> I kept on thinking throughout the episode, yes, the evidence is piling up against her, but she has a clear alibi. She was at home with the sheriff. I still think when Catherine disappeared, that scene happened concurrently with Emma consoling Mary Margaret at home. But surprisingly, the word alibi hasn't even come up. So... I'm just curious about the timeline of events there when they happened at the end of um, what happened to Frederick. If they happened the same time or afterwards or before. We don't know yet. But um, those are my first thoughts. Um, can't join you guys with a podcast because I'm working on something, but I'll listen when I have a chance to. 
Thank you very much, Obi's Girl, for calling that in. And great point. Why hasn't Mary Margaret said, I was with you at that time? Huh. Maybe she lost her head. Yeah, or or just doesn't know yet. But still, Emma has to go where the evidence leads. That's what she said at the beginning. And that I think that little exchange at the beginning of this episode kind of tied that together, how Mary Margaret was saying, you know I'm innocent. And Emma was saying, I, I think you do, but I have to go where the evidence leads. And the evidence was leading and pointing to Mary Margaret. Because Regina was bending it to point to Mary Margaret. But then, <laughs> but then the key and the door happens. And I was excited. Yeah, that's what changes Emma a little bit. So Emma, then the next thing we see is she see is the scene when she comes to Mary Margaret, and Emma says, "Because belief is not proof." But you just said, "If I don't do this right, things will end up worse for you." Every time I've gone up against Regina, she's seen it coming and I've lost. So what makes this time any different? Because she doesn't know I suspect anything. We're going to see some kind of battle (laughs) coming up. Makes sense, too, why Emma's sort of just, I don't know, not succumbed, um, submitted to Regina. Regina tells Emma to sit. Emma sits. (laughs) Reluctantly. And she gives a little sense of how she doesn't agree with it, but she still obeys Regina. And it's like, mm-hmm. she's she's just doing this to be able to lash out in the end. I'm so glad that Emma has finally seen the light. A little bit, I yeah. think she be- I think she's really close to believing Henry now. I think, I think because of August telling Henry, encouraging him to read the book, and Henry finding the keys, I think that was a little shove in the right direction for Emma. Mm. She at least knows something's going on. The mayor should not have keys to houses and presumably other places in town. Right. Yeah, because it. Emma has no reason to think those keys can open other doors yet, too. Why can't she use those keys as evidence against Regina? Well, that's the thing. She said when she went to Mr. Gold, she said... Uh, nothing that's court worthy. She right. can't prove that they came from Emma's they house. They were not, from Regina's house. They were not obtained legally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and that was what the whole episode "Fruit of the Poisonous Tree" was about. As they were talking about this evidence was not a, mm-hmm. um, a, acquired legally, and so that's what they call it: "Fruit of the Poisonous Tree," uh, because it it wouldn't work there. Did you notice what was on the key that Mary Margaret had? It was a skull, right? Yeah. Okay. See, I think they're all skulls. No, that <laughs> one was an apple. That one was an apple. Skull I have a screenshot. Or so apple. <laughs> <laughs> then when Emma goes to Mr. Gold. Look who's suddenly become a woman of faith. Because Emma is believing something now. And it's an apple. You saw you saw that Mr. Gold was polishing a lamp a genie's mm-hmm. lamp did you notice the three gems on it were green in no. fairy tale land in that episode fruit of the poisonous tree we saw that the lamp started out as the stones were green but then at the end when the genie was no longer in the lamp and he was in the mirror the, the lamp dropped down on the ground and the stones were red mm-hmm. oh. in mr gold's shop they're green again. We haven't seen Sydney Glass. Maybe he's back in the lamp. 
Not quite what I was thinking, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe the lamp still has some power because Sydney was annoying to me. I tried <laughs> to be see. Nice. I didn't see any gems on the on the lamp. I was trying to see if there were any to see if maybe there was that one wish left. Well, that's why I'm saying the three gems were on it and they were green. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll have a screenshot in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 24. You can see it very clearly. Well, well I he... have a screenshot of the key being an apple. So there. <laughs> <laughs> was he being very careful not to rub it? Did you notice that? I think he was rubbing it, just moving it around. Well, and... he's polished it before, we think, because we saw him polishing yeah. a lamp. And now it's all clean. He was looking at it through his little magnifying glass. Yeah. I didn't think, I, I think I'd. I don't know. That would be interesting to find out if he was like rubbing it or being careful not to rub it. I wish ABC knew that when they take fans off and put them on vacation and say, hey, you won't be back for like three or four episodes, that they knew <laughs> the fans go crazy because they think they're plotting something. Or I know they can't have all the, you know, they can't take an actor in just to have them walk in the background, but it would still comfort us. <laughs> Gold is happy about this partnership or this possible partnership with Emma. And he asks her a question. And you're willing to go as far as it takes? Farther. Because she doesn't approve of his methods, but she approves of his results. Now, his question reminded me of episode two, when Regina, or Evil Queen, came to Rumpelstiltskin in the prison. And I got this sound clip, too, when Rumpelstiltskin asks her. You have to ask yourself a simple question. <laughs> How far are you willing to go? As far as it takes. That's my least favorite Regina moment. <laughs> Such suspense. I didn't realize it was that long. She yeah. had to lean in close. Yeah, she was leaning and like she was very comfortable being that close to his face. So Regina <laughs> Regina was Regina was interested in going as far as it takes. But Emma is willing to go farther. farther. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't catch that part. That's awesome. Which, technically, that's further. Is that not correct? <laughs> Are you correcting her grammar? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not a literal distance. It's theoretical. But it you makes do it further, ask not how farther. far, not how fur. I know, but <laughs> further is still a word, and we never say grammar how fur. girl. If you listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> she could call in and clear that up for I'll us. I'll tweet to her and ask her sometime. Okay. But then the last thing that Mr. Gold says. Regina may be powerful, but something tells me you're more powerful than you know. He knows she's more powerful. And we really have yet to see what her power is. I think, I think he was referring to the fact that she can break the curse that Regina enacted. I think that's it. Is that all? I think that's it. But How? We, we she's don't the key to know. the curse. Yeah, but she's going to get some good blows in. <laughs> I hope so. In this More than just like a, by the end of the season, a punch on the lip, like she did when Graham was alive. <laughs> and Jeremy, Grammar Girl agrees. It's further. Thank you. Further's metaf- metaphorical. Yes. And farther is physical distance. Exactly. Good job, Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. You're a grammar boy. <laughs> yes, grammar boy. <laughs> I knights thee. <laughs> So, listeners, we would love to hear your feedback, and I know we've gone long on this episode, and if that really bothers you, then please do let me know. I don't like going this long, but maybe you love it. Speak up now. 
Yeah. Or they agree. Forever hold it's your fine. Peace. I <laughs> promise you they won't all be this alone. Mm-hmm. We just had a lot of awesome stuff to talk about. And I'm sure you have so many more awesome things to share with us. You can send us your feedback to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call in to 903-231-2221. You can also go to oncepodcast.com and send a voice message right from your computer through the website. Just click the send a voice message tab on the right side. And also when you're at oncepodcast.com, make sure you look at the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 24 and join the forums because we've got so many awesome conversations going on in the forums. And I was trying to go through the forums and pull some of the conversation that was going on there and bring it into the podcast, but there is just so much going on over there. It's awesome. There are so many posts, so many incredible theories and really smart people over there talking. So check it out over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. We now have over 2,500 posts. Don't worry, you don't have to read them all. But it's really easy (laughs) to sign up. You can sign in with your Twitter or Facebook or create an account over there. And then you can follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. And I'm Dan Flynn. Follow me at twitter.com slash Dan Flynn Design. So check us out on the website, oncepodcast.com. And please leave a rating and review on iTunes if that's how you found us. And remember, we're invested in your future. Thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts over at noodle.mx. Here's where I believe next (laughs) week we'll pick up. Emma will come into the sheriff's office. It'll be really tense. Maybe for some reason Regina will be with her. They'll be like, where's Mary Margaret? You let her escape, blah, blah, blah. And then Mary Margaret will come back from the bathroom and say, well, you didn't provide a toilet in the cell. And I just really had to go. And there was this key. (laughs) And she'll go back in and close the door. Is that your serious prediction? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I started puzzling over how they go to the bathroom when they're in jail in the sheriff's office while we were watching tonight.